You're listening to Climate Update, a podcast brought to you by the Climate Change Institute of the Australian National University. Hello and welcome back to Climate Update. This week we'll be discussing the heatwave in the Arctic Circle and Siberia that has been making headlines recently. I'm joined by climate application scientist Dr. Stephen Crimp from the Climate Change Institute to discuss this more. So, Steve, thank you very much for joining me today. Well, thanks, Lamise, for, for having me. So, heatwaves are experienced in various areas around the world throughout the year. What makes this particular one in Siberia uh, so newsworthy at the moment? Yes, it's uh, it's newsworthy from for, for a range of reasons. I think the first is that uh, on the, on Saturday, the twentieth of June, um, a Siberian town called Verkhoyansk um, actually experienced a temperature of around thirty eight degrees Celsius, which is the highest temperature ever recorded in uh, north of the Arctic Circle. So um, Verkhoyansk is is about ten kilometres north of the Arctic Circle, um, and the temperatures there are usually range from between minus forty degrees below zero um, to uh, temperatures of around twenty degrees Celsius in the height of summer. So this this temperature of thirty eight degrees, although yet to be verified, it would be the the hottest temperature ever experienced. Um, the previous um, known heat record in that town was around 37.3 degrees Celsius. But that actually occurred almost a month later than, than this particular uh, record, so on the 25th of July in 1988. And so um, the, the likelihood of, of these types of very extreme events actually happening are, are very, very rare. Um, the, so from a perspective of just a very extreme temperature, that's very, very uh, rare. But also what we are seeing in this year particularly is that the warm temperatures and anomalously warm temperatures across most of the Siberian region have been very, very extended. So we've had uh, warm temperatures of between 5 and as much as 10 degrees warmer for the period of January through to May of this year. So very extended, long period of very, very hot conditions. Um, and when we look at the, the likelihood of those temperatures, particularly in May, um, there's estimates that these temperatures, the likelihood of these occurring would be around one in 100,000 years. So very, very extreme, very, very rare, and very, very protracted um, period of, of time. The other, I think the other very important issue uh, about what makes this particularly different is that um, because this, this these temperatures have been warm for so long, it's likely that um, it will contribute very significantly to making 2020 uh, the hottest year on record. And that is despite the reductions in greenhouse gas emissions for this year, which are COVID-related. But certainly the likelihood, I think the the US uh, National Oceanographic and uh, Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, uh, calculate that there's a 75% chance that 2020 will be the hottest year on record. 
Um, and they suggest that there's a 99.9% chance that 2020 will be one of the top five um, hottest years on record as well. So, so we can see that this prolonged period is, is also going to have a dramatic effect on our longer term uh, temperature trends as well. So is climate change at all being linked um, to, this, to this heat wave and to this extreme of, uh, heat event last Saturday? Certainly it's very hard to attribute individual events to uh, greenhouse gas forcing and, and climate change, but certainly this protracted period of, of warmer conditions from January of this year to May certainly would have a, a, a strong anthropogenic um, signal or would be driven by by the the sort of emissions of greenhouse gases that we're seeing and and so that that clearly there is um, a, a signal there and uh, clearly that's having um, dramatic effects um, on on not just the the climate in that region but also um, in the the broader areas of the northern hemisphere Following on from that, so yeah, what are the implications um, for this heat wave for Siberia and the Arctic region, and then the sort of the world more broadly? So to to put this these warmer conditions in perspective, um, I think if we think about um, naturally, the northern hemisphere at the moment is going into the sort of summer conditions. Um, and with those associated warmer conditions, we start to see uh, melting of, of um, the sort of permafrost, but also of the ice sheets as well. And what we are seeing, particularly in Greenland, is that um, the, the sort of threshold for melting is where about 5% of the ice sheet is, is seen to be melting. And this was actually measured and registered on the 13th of May uh, this year, uh, according to the sort of Danish uh, Meteorological Institute. And, and that's almost two weeks earlier than um, the sort of average date of, of, of ice sheet melt in this region. And so certainly this run of, of extremely warm temperatures from January to May have certainly contributed to much earlier melting of ice sheets, um, and also melting of permafrost. Um, and so that's accelerated the, the sort of um, permafrost melt and has also likely to contribute to the, um, the wildfire season starting un unusually early in this area. And also uh, what we're also seeing is that uh, the, the warmer temperatures have actually resulted in an earlier sort of um, um, swarm of, of Siberian silt moths, which in their larval stage tend to eat conifer trees. And so because these temperatures have been so warm, those populations have actually grown very rapidly. And the impact that we're actually seeing is, is far more significant this year than we've, we've seen historically. So is there any long-term projection for uh, Siberia and the Arctic region at the moment? Are these sort of trends expected to continue? The, uh, the climate models certainly um, suggest that these conditions are likely to become more frequent in the future as, as the atmospheric temperatures warm. What we'll probably see is an increase in the frequency of um, events where we find 
those capitals in those northern reaches are actually without snow in the later part of the winter season. Uh, I think one of the other concerning um, issues is that as we start to see um, a larger proportion of the permafrost melting, trapped within that permafrost are greenhouse gases like methane. And so what we could see is that as we see these snow-free periods extend, um, the the less of the energy is being reflected back into the atmosphere, more is being absorbed. And so that's all that's adding to the warming effect. And as that warming effect is, is added to, we call this a sort of positive feedback loop. As that positive feedback loop is enhanced, and we start to see more of the Siberian permafrost actually melting, uh, we would see more methane being released into the atmosphere as well, which, as we know, methane is a very, very um, effective greenhouse gas. And so, again, a, a, another feedback loop uh, and um, potentially adding to the rate of warming. So what is a concern, I think, is, is if we continue on this trajectory, we are going to see some positive feedback loops that will actually enhance and accelerate the rate of warming that we're seeing in these regions. Is the main way of tackling these heat waves and tackling this, you know, long-term projection and the positive feedback loops, is the main way for us to tackle this um, reducing greenhouse gas emissions globally from human activity? Yeah, quite clearly, I think that the only the only way that we can, I think, uh, adapt or mitigate these impacts is to reduce the rate of emissions that we have of our greenhouse gases, and and that is really a global effort uh, to reduce uh, greenhouse gas emissions. Um, certainly, um, so that we don't exceed one and a half to two degrees of warming, because. Uh, once we reach those thresholds, there are many unknowns um, and unknown impacts that could actually occur on our climate, on our ecosystems, and um, to our human populations as well. Thank you very much for joining me today, Steve. My pleasure. And thank you for listening to the Climate Update podcast. To stay tuned for our next episode, you can subscribe on your favourite podcast streaming platform, like and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at ANU Climate, or you can check out our website and subscribe to our newsletter at www.climate.anu.edu.au.